So I think they have everything cooking right now for Florida State. Now, will they be able to play with the weight of expectations? Some people have them as high as the top five. I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far just yet, but anyone that expects Florida State to be any worse than 10 and three like they were a year ago, I think you're mistaken. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. Today is January 25th, 2023. And then we hope you're enjoying the show wherever you're getting the show. It's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It really helps us out and it really helps out the show. We have a great one in store for you today. We feel like we have a lot that we need to look forward to. We've already done Pac-12. We've done the SEC. We've done the Big Ten. We've done the Big 12. Well, without much further ado, it's time for the ACC. We need to get into it, man. I'm very excited about this league. You're going to say, why? (laughs) Believe me, I've asked myself the same question, but it's partly because we actually have a race. That's right, a race. Ladies and gentlemen, as it relates to the ACC title, you're going to say, well, two years ago, Pitt won it. I get that. I understand. But did they win it or was Clemson down? I'm I'm trying to figure that out myself. But it's been a while since we've really, in the preseason, talked about teams that could potentially win the league outside of the Clemson Tigers. And I'm not, look, I, I don't have to make a prognostication prediction right now. I don't have to. Why? Because it's January. <laughs> hold me to this one. No, I I think that I've reserved the right to hold myself to the picks come early August, mid-August, etc. But if you told me right now I had to pick a horse in the ACC, it's probably not going to be Clemson for the first time in nearly a decade. Not quite a decade, but just about. You're catching my drift. It feels like the Knolls are for real. And because we only have a couple, I think, legit contenders in the ACC, guess who we added on top? Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the unofficial member of the ACC. Big Ten fans are going to say, what do you mean? They're joining the big... Uh, Fine, I get it. We'll just pretend it's hoop season since it is for the moment. And we'll put... Mike Bray's Fighting Irish in this discussion, all right? Very excited about what Notre Dame might be this year. Are they actually going to get to the college football playoff? We'll discuss that, including a little discussion about one of the biggest, probably one of the biggest, maybe the biggest transfer portal edition in all of college football. We'll discuss it. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. It's time for Let's Talk About It presented by AT&T 5G. All right, this ACC is going to look a little different than previous versions of the ACC. Why? Because it's like a quarterback derby. I mean, I, I can't even keep track of all the different ACC quarterbacks that have left. It's like one of those situations where I thought I knew a team, I thought I knew a guy, only to find out that that guy is now playing at like a division rival. And I don't really know what really he left. When did he leave? Oh, he did last week. Oh, it was a while ago. I, I can't keep track of it, man. I feel like the ACC probably as much as any other league has been almost impossible 
to forecast. If you want to, let's just go through the quarterbacks before we get into the players. Can we just for a moment? Like, if, because I, this has been hard for as someone that lives it every day and that refreshes on two four sevens portal tracker and all these other all these other you know sites that have the portal tracker and all that stuff. Like, I've had a difficult time keeping up to the point where I got to like refresh, 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 and it's still at some points difficult to comprehend. Sam Hartman, formerly of Wake Forest, is now at Notre Dame. We're going to talk about Notre Dame. Give me just a minute. We're going to get there. The Irish are part of our ACC preview. Devin Leary, formerly of NC State, he is now at Kentucky. All right. You think it's difficult now? Just wait. It's going to get a little bit more difficult. DJ Uwe Ungalale, formerly of Clemson, is now at Oregon State. Brennan Armstrong, formerly of Virginia. He's replacing Devin Leary at NC State. Chiron Drones, formerly of Baylor, is now likely going to be the quarterback of Virginia Tech. Are you having a hard time yet? Because I'm having an insanely difficult time keeping up with all the moves that have gone on here in the ACC. Keaton Slovis, formerly of Pitt, he's now at BYU. Continue to go on and on and on. Tony Musket, he's now at Virginia. I mean, it's just, it's a roundabout over and over and over again where it's been Jacoby Criswell, backup quarterback in North Carolina. He's now at Arkansas. The list is just never ending. And it feels like to me, the ACC has been, I don't want to say ravaged because there's still quality players within the league. But remember, I mean, for the last couple of years, the ACC has been able to, oh, hey, ACC quarterback play, baby. Let's go. It's still there. ACC still has quality quarterback play, but there are some legitimate question marks for the first time in what feels like a little bit of a, a while. I mean, I just, it's been odd. It's been very, very strange to kind of keep track of who's where. Phil Jerkovic. Is it Pitt? Like, it's just, I can't keep up with it all. I'm sure probably in the time that I started this ramble, if you will, it probably feels as though guys have transferred maybe even another time. I I don't know. Either way, the quarterbacks in the ACC, what was once the QBC, the QB conference, it does feel like it's maybe a little bit in upheaval. Either way, still going to be a pretty good league from top to bottom as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Year one coaches in the ACC last year, a big topic of discussion, right? Coming into the season, everyone's saying, hey, Mario Cristobal at Miami, don't look now. Mario's going to get him going. Well, obviously, they fell flat. It was a really disappointing first season. But if you look at where Miami's at and how they have kind of stockpiled, they might be in a position to be successful, maybe not as soon as 23 but I'd be shocked if they didn't take a significant step here at some point in the near future. It feels like the commitment is there. It feels like the resources are there. It just feels like Miami is kind of coiling up, ready to spring forward. And I get the sense that I trust Mario Cristobal. I think he's going to figure it out. And I think that that program in general will be back to becoming front page news at some point very soon. Virginia and Virginia Tech and the Commonwealth also difficult seasons there in first-year head coaches. All three of the aforementioned first-year head coaches all had losing records, and those three programs combined to have a five ACC wins. 
All right. You bring in new head coaches at both Georgia Tech. You bring in new head coach at Louisville with Jeff Brom returning to the place that he played a lot of new in the ACC this year. So it's almost a little bit difficult to kind of forecast because if there's one thing we learned from 2022 is that the right coach with the right collection of talent can maybe make an intriguing run. See the 2022 version of the TCU Horn Frogs. But either way, should be really interesting. Let's talk about the contenders for a moment. Let's start with the Florida State Seminoles. Why am I starting with them? Because I think they're the best team returning in the ACC. You're going to say, Greg, how can you say that? They lost. They lost to NC State. They lost to Clemson. I understand that. I, I get it. But you look at what's returning. You got seven back on offense. You got nine back on defense. They've already proven. They have already proven to be a team that can not just attract guys in the portal, but can take the guys that they brought in and put them in a great situation to make a legitimate leap forward. And I think that's what they'll do this year. Look at all the receivers that they added prior to the 22 season. Look at all the success that those guys had as a result of transferring in. Look at the defensive line talent that they added prior to the 22 season. Look at the success that Jared Verse had in year number one. He's coming back. I might add too, which is, I think, a huge coup for Mike Norvell and his staff. He, along with Fabian Lovett on the inside, and you go out, you got Gilbert Edmond from South Carolina. He's an edge defender. You had Darnell Jackson from Miami. He's an edge defender. You had Braden Fisk from Western Michigan. He's an interior defensive lineman. Like you now have become a bit of a destination for defensive front personnel, which is awesome. Because what wins games more than any other position in college football outside of the quarterback? To me, I think it's the defensive line. Speaking of quarterback, Florida State might have the best returning quarterback in the conference. Jordan Travis could be in the mix for the Heisman Trophy. Look at how he finished the season. Look at how things worked with him figuring out how to work off play action, using his own legs, not necessarily succumbing to the big hit, Felt like going into last year when you're watching 2021 tape of Jordan Travis, it was like, all right, pump fake, roll to your right, throw it away. Pump fake, roll to your right, try to find a guy downfield. If he's not there, you throw it into traffic. It's disappointing. He relied an awful lot on being an athlete and didn't necessarily play with the same patience in the pocket that you have to play with to play top-level quarterback play. Well, my goodness, has he improved so much from the start of last season. He looks like a completely different player. And by the end of the season, he was putting his teammates in great position to be successful and was making great decisions in the process. He'll complement what should be an outstanding trio of running backs, an outstanding running game in general that he's going to use. Yes, I do think they're going to miss Treshawn Ward. I hate that he's leaving. He's going to Kansas State. Love the fit there. I do think that's going to be difficult to replace a couple pieces up front. Demetri Emanuel, Dylan Gibbons. Jazz Turntine, all three of those guys played pretty well at times. They're along the offensive line, but they've gone out and they have attracted a couple guys that were playing high-level football before in the transfer portal. Jeremiah Byers has been added in the transfer portal. Casey Roddick has been added in the transfer portal. Both those guys. Byers was actually an all-conference USA player at UTEP. And then Roddick, who is a team captain at Colorado, figures to step right in to potentially be 
an impact player along the offensive front. So either way, I think their run game and scheme too will make life dif- difficult on the opposing defense, regardless of what they do. And then on the defensive side of the football, they've gone out, already referenced the fact that they bring back Fabian Lovett, already brought back Jared Verse, already referenced the guys they brought on the portal. But in the back end, you have a couple guys that are very legit as well. Fentrell Cypress, transfers in from Virginia. He was one of the better corners in the conference a year ago. So I think they have everything cooking right now for Florida State. Now, will they be able to play with the weight of expectations? Some people have them as high as the top five. I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far just yet, but anyone that expects Florida State to be any worse than 10 and three like they were a year ago, I think you're mistaken. Had every opportunity to win the NC State game last year, just threw a pick in the end zone, even though you were in field goal range. You had five bad minutes against Florida State. If not for those five bad minutes, I think you'd be in pretty good shape to potentially get the job done. Then you had a tough day against Wake Forest, but Wake Forest probably not going to be the same team in 23 as they were in 22. So I think Florida State is poised to have a breakout season. I am so optimistic. This is the most optimistic I've been about a Florida State football team since prior to the 2014 season. It's been a while, y'all. Seminole fans, you deserve it. I hope you're as excited as I am to watch your team take the field next year. Then moving over to the team that has consistently dominated the ACC for the last eight or nine years. In the Seminole's absence, it's been Clemson that has come to the forefront. 11-3, 8-0 last year in the ACC, quietly a very good season. Now people have said, well, you know, it's down, you know, not great, kind of average. Yeah, by Clemson standards, but how many other teams raise your hand if you'd love to win 11 games in a down year? So I I for one, I would love that. Now, will it be easy to replace some of the pieces that they lost? Absolutely not. Miles Murphy's gone. Trenton Simpson's gone. You lose a couple of really good pieces. Really good pieces. Offensively, you lose a piece or two that's really good. Davis Allen, a guy that really stepped up this past year at tight end. He's gone. I know people had a love-hate relationship with DJ Uyunglele. He's gone. Played a lot of football. He's gone. Brian Brzee, he's gone. A lot of guys that are going to be moving on, but still a lot of young players that are poised to step up in their absence. I do think this group is going to look a lot different than they did a year ago. We've talked a lot about how they might need to tweak what they're doing offensively. Well, they didn't just tweak. They decided to blow up what they were doing offensively. They fire Brandon Streeter, which almost never happens in Clemson, South Carolina. They decided to bring in Garrett Riley as one of the top offensive coordinators in college football. What a run he had last year at TCU en route to the national championship game. I know a lot of people will say, well, you played terrible against Georgia. Fine. All right, the whole team played terrible. And yes, it was less than stellar performance by him from a coordinator standpoint. Doesn't mean the guy can't coach. He did an amazing job in bringing the most out of Max Duggan throughout the course of last season. And that might have been a reason for the move. You look at Brandon Streeter, you look at what DJ Uwe Ungalale looked like from the time he started as a starter in 2021, the time he finished as a starter in the ACC championship game in 22. He never got that much better. Maybe it's a lack of development that led Davo Sweeney to make this significant move. And now Garrett Riley is poised with trying to bring the most out in Cade Klubnik. Now, I think Cade Klubnik's a good player. I watched him on the field. We called their Orange Bowl game. I watched the ACC title game at length. I watched every single snap 
that he faced last year. At times, he looked superhuman. At times, he looked like a freshman. But I know this, Cade Klubnik can't dominate teams on his own. He needs good players around him. So they need guys on the perimeter to step up. Antonio Williams has to be an all-ACC, if not an all-American performer at wide receiver. Turner, Cole Turner, he's got to be a guy that eventually steps up to the forefront and maybe becomes that deep threat that they've been missing for the last couple of years. They got to find more capable weapons on the perimeter because if they don't, it's going to be tough for Cade Klubnik or anyone who's playing quarterback to create on their own with substandard weapons. You can tell me, well, Clemson's still got dudes, Joseph and Gata. Not dudes like Clemson's used to having dudes. They got to be better at wide receiver. And I do think at the same time, they got to be better along the offensive line. Is a group that wanted to be more run football, run oriented, pound you in the run game. And they're just not as physical as they need to be to have that type of identity. Now, hopefully they can get there. They'll work hard on it this offseason. And you know that Garrett Riley, look, say what you want about TCU. It's a team that will, they did try to mow you down. They were a more physical team than people gave them credit. So I expect Garrett Riley to emphasize the run. And I also expect Garrett Riley to empower Cade Klubnick the way he empowered Max Duggan by pushing the ball down the field and giving guys plenty of opportunities to work downfield in one-on-one situations. You also look at what's going on everywhere else. They lost 10 guys to the portal. And you say, well, that's, well, that's, that's, really, that's really not that many. It's, not, it's really not that bad. 10% turnover rate, it's not too bad. Problem is you only brought in one guy. Uh, and that guy's Paul Tyson, who's likely going to serve as the backup quarterback to Cade Klubnik. So, hey, I'm all for sticking to what you've done. I'm all for sticking to what you believe in. But I do think as times have changed, it would be beneficial for Clemson to consider the possibility of bringing in a player or two in the portal every single year. One, maybe two guys, probably not going to cut it. But if you could bring in five that could fortify some positions on your roster, maybe a game-changing wide receiver to offset all the attention that Antonio Williams is going to get on the perimeter, I think that'd be really beneficial. So I hope that at some point, maybe Davo Sweeney acknowledges that. Maybe he wants to go through fall or go through spring, excuse me, see what they have and then address possible needs in the portal at that time. But right now, I just have, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be good. Don't get me wrong. Clemson's not going anywhere. I just don't know if they are going to be the top dog heading into the 23 season in the ACC. And then moving on finally to another team in the ACC, well, not technically in the ACC, but Notre Dame. Obviously very closely aligned with the ACC. So we'll just talk quickly about the Irish before we put a bow on our ACC discussion. Notre Dame finished last year at 9-4. and four, Okay. A lot of people up in arms after the 0-2 start. And yes, the loss to Stanford 16-14 is a difficult one for all of us to stomach. You lose to SC. Yeah, the way you lost wasn't great, but you lose to SC at their place. It's not going to be the end of the world. That's understandable. But you lose to Marshall and you lose to Stanford. Those two things are inexcusable. You lose to SC, you lose to Ohio State. No problem whatsoever. Either way, it feels to me with how things finished, you get out 
You finished the season by winning six of the final seven games, including the comeback victory against South Carolina in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. It feels like there's momentum that's been created down the stretch. And I happen to think that momentum carried over with what they've now done on the recruiting trail and what they, they've now done as far as the transfer portal is concerned. You went out and you immediately got a difference maker in Sam Hartman. Everyone that seems to know the program is telling me, oh, it's going to be a battle between Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner. No, it's not. It's going to be Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman's a dude now. Now, he's not the biggest guy in the world, and there are a couple concerns. I'll tell you what they are in just a moment. But when he's on, go back and watch his performance against Clemson. When he's on, he is as accurate as they come in the game. He's got great instincts. The offense that they run at Wake Forest is a difficult one on the quarterback where you have to read and react. You have to have really quick hands and you got to be very decisive. But oftentimes you're kind of allowing things and reacting more so than dictating with your feet and dictating with your accuracy. I think the big question to me is what style of offense do they want to be? If you look at Notre Dame and really think back over the last handful of years, I Look, I think Tommy Reese is very underappreciated as a play caller, but I don't really know what their offensive identity is. Like, I know what they want to be. I know they want to be a team that wants to pound you, wants to set up play action, wants to be 50-50 run pass by creating great balance, by empowering their normally elite tight ends, by empowering their normally elite offensive line. I know what they want to be. But I feel like they almost change from year to year. It's like, well, we got a quarterback that's mobile. Let's do quarterback run this year. Oh, well, we got Jack Cohn. He doesn't have a big arm. Let's do a lot of underneath West Coast stuff offensively. Oh, we got this guy. So let's try some of these things. Oh, we got this. We got a great speed on the perimeter. Let's push the ball vertical. It's like every year, it's like they're reinventing themselves. I wish I could just watch Notre Dame and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to get when I get the Irish. I know I'm going to get duo. I know I'm going to get power. I know I'm going to get some 12 personnel, and I know I'm going to see one-on-ones with the tight end. Great. I can live with that, but I don't feel like I got that all the time. Either way, I think Tommy Reese does a good job, and I think with Sam Hartman, a predictable veteran quarterback under center, they're in great position to be successful moving forward. Here's the problem. I don't love the wide receivers, and I think it's going to be very difficult to replace Michael Mayer. I think Michael Mayer was phenomenal. You guys know that. His willingness to be involved in the run game, his willingness to be end of the line of scrimmage, wide tight end, not going to be easy to replace. There's just not that many guys that do the things that he does. Now, Notre Dame always seems to have one, but there's not many that can do what it is that he does. So very intrigued by seeing how they fill that void. I am cautiously optimistic because it does seem, and you guys tell me if you feel differently, it does seem as though Notre Dame is maybe more willing now than they have been in the past to welcome in grad transfer players. You go out and you get Javante Jean-Baptiste from Ohio State. Is he going to be Isaiah Foskey 2.0? No, but he's a veteran guy that can play at the end of the line of scrimmage that could be in a good position. You go out, you get Caleb Smith, transfer from Virginia Tech at wide receiver. Is he all of a sudden going to be Michael Floyd. You know, I'm not going to go that far. No, but I think he's a veteran guy that can do some things that can create some issues vertically with what they want to be offensively. So I think offensively, Notre Dame's in a great position of success on defense. 
I'm anxious to see how it's all going to work out. I am. I'm anxious to see how it's all going to work out, but I trust Marcus Freeman. I think the guys will play insanely hard, but I do think at times, maybe not quite as aggressive. They're very aggressive on that side of the ball. Want to heat you up, want to overload you. And I don't know if that's always the best way to go about your business. So that's a little breakdown as far as the ACC is concerned, putting the Irish in that conversation as well. But right now, if I had to call it, I think Florida State gets it done for the first time in a long time with what they bring back and the experience they have returning on both sides of the ball. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. That essay that you definitely started weeks before the deadline and not the night before might be easier with some late night snacks. DoorDash can help get you the snacks and the energy drinks you need to get you through that all-nighter. Get the back-to-school savings you really want and get unlimited free DoorDash delivery with DashPass. Just $4.99 a month for students. How worth it? So worth it. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app and enter code ALWAYS. That's 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ALWAYS. Don't forget, that's code ALWAYS for 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 delivery fees with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, as always, we love to be able to dive into some of these mailbag questions, so we'll do it here. Without much further ado, Coops, let's kick it off with the mailbag. All right, first one coming from Frank in Charlotte. Will the ACC be able to keep up with the SEC and Big Ten in the coming years? Do you see any schools jumping out of the ACC willing to pay a hefty fee just to be part of the two super conferences? Well, let's start with where they're at right now. They are all currently, their grant of rights runs all the way through 2036. Um, I've, you know, you read some of the numbers about Oklahoma and Texas and USC and UCLA leaving early and what they have to pay if they were to leave early in some astronomical figure. So that's for one year early. I can't even imagine what it'd be like for 10, right? So I do not at this point envision anyone in the ACC leaving it for greener pastures. I do think it's at some point possible down the road that, that that could become a real possibility. But still, man, at this point, it's difficult for me to project that being a move that is going to be highly prioritized for a lot of these teams. As far as keeping up is concerned, I happen to think personally, while it might be difficult, as far as the finances are concerned, you don't have to have the deepest pockets to put forth a competitive product. And if you're competing right now against teams that maybe from top to bottom, say one through 14 in the ACC, how is it 
in strength relative to one through 14 in the other leagues, maybe it wouldn't be quite as competitive at the bottom as it is in other places. But either way, we've seen several times where the ACC has been really bad top to bottom. Clemson runs through it 12 and 0, wins the ACC championship in convincing fashion, has two weeks, three weeks to get right and improve for what should be a strengthened competition there in the college football playoff. And they play their best football in the final two weeks. So I think in an expanded field where the ACC champion is guaranteed to get in, I think they're going to be just fine. It's just one of those situations where are they going to be as good top to bottom as some of the other leagues? Probably not. All right. Next one coming from Tim. Drake May has family ties to UNC and loves the school, but had to come out and say that he was, quote, coming back after his freshman year. Is this the new normal? Or is he a throwback player who is willing to go and stay somewhere because of his loyalty to the school? Well, here's my thing. First of all, just the numbers that were thrown around about Drake May and people recruiting him and $5 million. First of all, they were completely erroneous. They were a joke. They were so inflated. I heard that there was a team willing to pay Drake May a million dollars to come play. Uh, a million dollars is obviously a ton of money. Like, Obviously. But I think he's going to do quite well at Carolina. And let's be real. Drake May is going to make $35 million a year from now when he's a top five pick. So you make a million now, you make 35 next year, like, so be it. I do think that there was probably some speculation when his offensive coordinator left, Phil Longo, when he went to Wisconsin. There probably is a little bit of speculation about, okay, well, does does he maybe follow him? Like, he had great success in that style and great success in that offense. Like, like what are they going to do as far as coordinator is concerned? I. I do think there might have been some indecision, but if you look at this, man, it's we put out graphics for everything nowadays. I mean, everything's got a graphic and we tweet it out. I'm coming back, says the backup long snapper at, you know, Rhode Island. Like, okay, okay. I mean, like, I'm returning. Cool. That that's awesome. We also put out things like I'm heading to the NFL draft. That's great. You're a sixth year senior. I where else are you going to go? Like, I mean, I, do you have eligibility remaining? Like, are you? Are you, I, I didn't. I mean, you're 25 years old. I mean, I, I guess it's all about. And that's not that's not a reflection on Drake May. That's just like where we're at right now in college football. I mean, it's like guys are openly tweeting. You know, I'm back. Okay, were you? Are, are you getting? You're a walk on. What do you, What do you mean? Like. I mean, you're back. Where are you going to go? I mean, I'm, I'm going in the portal. Uh, all right. Awesome. Cool. That's good. Like, let me know where you end up. Like, I, that's fine. I, I mean, we're all about, like, I don't, like, I'm not great at social media. I'm just, I don't get it. I, I don't really want to broadcast my life. Uh, and I don't want to live, like, on my phone all the time. Like, it's just not my thing. I'm, I don't judge anybody that does. It's just not my thing. I just don't. I don't really align with it. I didn't grow up with it. So it's it's different, right? But uh, we put out graphics for everything. So I don't think Drake May is like, oh, he's cut from the old school cloth. No, I just... I mean, I, I think he has had success. He's already been to one ACC championship game. He probably feels as though there's unfinished business. And you know, he grew up a Carolina fan. I mean, I think there's more examples of that that 
don't get talked about when everyone talks about, well, the transactional nature of college football. Like, yeah, there's several guys that go for the money. Sure. But there's probably a handful of guys that go because they love the school too. And I don't know, you know what the percentages are of each. Oh, 60% go for the money, 40% go for the school. I don't, I don't know. But I, all I know is that I don't, I, don't think, I don't think more of Drake May. I don't think less of Drake May. I think Drake May is a heck of a player and gives Carolina a chance. If they can play a little better defense, a little more consistent defense this year, if they can adequately replace Phil Longo, uh, if they can adequately have a couple guys step up at wide receiver, I think they're being a great spot to potentially compete again. But I don't know. I, I just feel like, and I don't mean to be yelling at clouds right now. It's an old man, but easy on the graphics. Nobody cares. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, final thought on the ACC as we put a bow on 22 and start to transition a little bit into 23. I actually think the league and people have kind of taken shots at the league for quite a while about well there's you know there's no there's not good. I've heard I've heard analysts, lead analysts at network say the league is quote trash. That's coming from lead network analysts. I've heard people say that. I mean to me that is completely irresponsible. To, to suggest something like that. Now you could say maybe they're not quite as good at the top. Maybe they're not quite as good at the bottom. Maybe the middle tier is down just a hair. But to say that a league is trash is absurd. And honestly, if you really think about it to me, tell me this. Let's go through team by team. Clemson, from where they were last year, are they level up or down? I'd say probably level. Florida State, from last year to this year, level up or down? I'd say they're going to be up. Syracuse, from last year to this year, level up or down? maybe level, maybe slightly down, not, you know, not necessarily. I mean, it's not like they finished the season great. They were seven and six. I mean, it's not like things went their way down the stretch. I mean, level up or down, maybe slightly down Louisville up, down or level. I'd say up NC state up, down or level. I'd say level. I mean, you lost your quarterback somehow found a way to win games last year as consistently as they did is pretty dang remarkable. Wake Forest, I'd say slightly down. Boston College, can't go down from a three and nine. You have to go up from there. North Carolina, level up or down? Probably level. Pittsburgh, level up and down? Probably slightly up when you take everything into consideration. Duke, level up or down? I'd say probably level, given what Mike Elko did in year number one, nine and four football team. Georgia Tech, level up or down? Probably up. Miami, level up or down? Probably up. Virginia, level up or down? Probably up from three and seven. Virginia Tech, level up or down? Probably up 
from three and eight. You really think about it. I mean, a lot of teams in this league, arrows actually pointing up. So cautiously optimistic they're going to be better now. Are they going to be have you know seven national championship contenders? No. But I actually think the league will be more competitive here in 2023 than they were in 2022. So let's just let's just be patient when properly assessing what the league might look like here in the months to come. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Really appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. Continue to send us our mailbag questions at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com or alwayscfb on Instagram and on Twitter. We have lots of time now, so now is the time to shoot those things over to us. So for Jake, Jack, and Mark, I'm Greg. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy, presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.